tonight, tonight is a special night because it's parent-child dedication. And every couple of weeks, every couple of months, we do this. We gather together as a church to give parents the opportunity to dedicate their children unto the Lord. But even more than that, I want to challenge you parents, those of you who are here to dedicate your children, that you would dedicate yourselves unto God. Because in order for us to dedicate our children to God, we need to start by dedicating ourselves to God. And so I want to invite you to prepare your heart to not only dedicate yourself, but also your children. But before I get into that, there's a couple things that you don't realize before you become a parent. And then all of a sudden you have a child and suddenly there's things that you learn about being a parent that no one told you. Number one, you know you're a parent when you spend two years hoping they will talk and 16 hoping they'll be quiet. In fact, that's the reason why parents invented the quiet game. There's a reason for it. I didn't understand it when I was a kid, but now I understand. Quiet game is fantastic. Number two, you know you're a parent when you discover your children have selective hearing. You tell them to clean their room, and it's silence. You tell them to brush their teeth, and it's crickets. But the moment you tell them, I have ice cream for you, guess what? They come running. They know. In fact, there's a couple kids who are excited here today. Number three, you know you're a parent when 5 p.m. is the new midnight. When you were a college student and a young adult, you could stay up till 2 in the morning. But now, when 5 p.m. hits, all you want to do is fall asleep. And you discover that naps are wonderful. Number four, you know you're a parent when you select toys based on how bad they will annoy you. When you read on the package, batteries are optional, you keep them optional. Number five, you know you're a parent when you realize that you've transitioned to parent sleep. Now, parent sleep is just like regular sleep, but without the sleep. And finally, this is for all the moms, you know you're a new mother when you don't dream of sleeping like a baby... You actually dream of sleeping like your husband. And all the moms said, exactly right. Now, parenting, it's fun. It's an adventure. It's challenging. It's difficult. But if we're real honest, it's such a great privilege. What a great privilege that God entrusts to us the opportunity and the responsibility to raise children. And I want to encourage you today to raise kids who follow Jesus. In fact, that's the title of my message today, Raise Kids Who Follow Jesus. And so today I want to invite you to join me in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I want to invite you to open up your Bible, open up your Bible app, open up your Westover app. We have notes there for you to follow along. Now, the book of Ephesians was written by a guy by the name of Paul. Now, Paul was an early follower of Jesus. And as he went through his ministry, what he did is he would write letters to different churches. And in fact, this is a letter to a church. And he's telling this church, he's telling them, I want you to realize that you have worth and that you have value and that God has a great plan for you and that he has got good works for you. So I invite you to join me in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. 
Let's take a look together. For we are God's handiwork. In fact, one version says we are his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. If we can get this idea that we are a masterpiece, that we are his handiwork, and that we've been created by Jesus Christ to do good works, and in fact that he prepared in advance for us to do those good works, I think that not only will our life be fruitful, but we'll be able to raise kids who follow Jesus. And so today I want to share with you a handful of reminders, things that I want you to speak to your kids and to your students to remind them of what God's word says. So number one, parents, remind your kids, tell them this, you were created by and for God. You were created by and for God. This verse tells us, for we are created in Christ Jesus. Now our kids, they need to know who Jesus is. In fact, I've heard one person say that when our kids are very young, they see Jesus in us, or at least they should see Jesus in us. Someone once said that we are Jesus with skin on. And here's what I want you to consider. When your kids and your students look at you, do they see Jesus reflected in you? Can they learn from your example who Jesus is? What do they see? Do they see you worshiping God? Do they see you reading the Bible? Do they see you making church a priority? Or do they see something else? The only way our kids and students, when they're very young, can see who Jesus is, is by looking at our life. We need to model it in front of them. In fact, if there's one thing that I would love for you to walk away, if there's only one thing that you could walk away with, it's this idea. It's parents, our primary goal is to help our kids know, love, worship, and serve Jesus. Many of us as parents, we focus on so many other things. We want them to be academic successes. We want them to have a great job. We want them to have a great career. We want them to be married to the right person. We want them to have a great life. But the Bible tells us that if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else will be added unto us and to them. And so if we focus on helping our kids and students know, love, worship, and serve Jesus, they're going to get everything else that our heart dreams of for them. But you know, it doesn't end there. Not only do we need to empower them to know, love, worship, and serve Jesus, we need to let them know that they are precious in the eyes of God, that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. In fact, in Psalm 139, 13 and 14, this is what it says. This is David speaking. He says this, King David, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My dream for my kids is that they would know that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that the work that they are, the masterpiece that they are, is something that God loves. And that they would know that they have immense value 
that they're fearfully and wonderfully made. In fact, it reminds me of a song that I learned when I was a little kid. Now, I'm not going to sing it for you, so don't worry, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the words. This is the song. Jesus loves the little children. Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world. Red, brown, yellow, black, and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Parents, if we can help our kids know that God loves them, that he made them wonderful, and that he made them precious in his eyes, we're moving them forward. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 actually takes this idea and it expands it further. In fact, this is the Apostle Paul again. He's speaking, and I want you to pay attention to what he says in this passage. For in him all things were created. Speaking of Jesus. Jesus is the creator. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. Now let me pause here. Many of us as adults we worry about politics. We worry about what's happening in Washington. But this verse reminds us that God is in control of everything. It doesn't matter what happens on thrones or with powers or rulers or authorities, but God is in charge. I'm going to say it again. God is in charge. We can hold fast to that. The Apostle Paul continues. He says this, all things have been created through him and for him. This speaks of our children. They've been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The other thought I want to offer to you today is this idea. Is that God will hold them together. God will hold them together. It's our responsibility as parents to help our kids understand that God will hold them together. He will hold them together when they face challenges and difficulty and pain and frustration and disappointment. He's going to hold them together because he has the power to hold them together. This is the promise of God, and God's word doesn't return void. He keeps his promises. He's going to hold them together. But even more than that, not only will he hold them together, he will hold you together. He will hold you together even when you can't because Jesus holds our children even when we can't. All of us as parents, we face a moment when we have to release our children, even if it's just for a couple of hours to go to school, or if it's for a couple of days to go to the other parent's household, or if it's for a couple of years when they end up leaving home. He holds them when you send them to daycare or preschool. He holds them when they go to elementary school or they transition to middle school. He holds them when they go to high school. He holds them when they go to off to college or they step into a job. He holds them at every moment of their life. He holds them even when they start their first relationship. He holds them when they get married for the t- first time or when they get divorced. He holds them when their heart is broken the first, the twelfth, or the twentieth time. He holds them when they face their first, their hundredth, or their millionth temptation. He holds them when they run away from God. He holds them when they get addicted to drugs or alcohol or an unhealthy relationship or some other behavior. He holds them when they're so far away from God you can't reach them. And he's constantly pulling them back. He's saying, come home. Return to me. 
He holds them fast. Psalm 139 verse 5 says this, listen. You hem me in behind and before you have laid your hand upon me. At every moment of their life, God is extending his righteous right hand out to them. Every moment of their life, he's reaching out to them. Even when you can't reach them. The Bible says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. There's nothing that can separate them from the love of God because he is constantly in hot pursuit of them. So it doesn't matter if they're close to God or if they're far away. God is always constantly pulling them back in to come close. He wants them to know that he, was, that he created them and that he created them for himself. Number two, parents, I want you to remind your kids, I want you to say this to them, you are a masterpiece. So if you have your kids with you, I'd love for you to turn to them and say, you are a masterpiece. Turn to the other child, you are a masterpiece. Our children, they are a masterpiece. This verse tells us that we are God's handiwork. We are a masterpiece. I began to think about how do I illustrate this idea of a masterpiece? And the idea that came to my mind is a mirror. Here's my question for you adults. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Many of us, if we're honest, when we look in the mirror, what we see is a mess. We see our life as a mess. Now, if you have children with you, I want you to look at them. If your children aren't with you, I want you to open up your phone and find a photo of them. And I want you to look at them. When you look at them, what do you see? As parents, when we look at our kids and our students and even our adult children, what we see is a masterpiece. We see them as a masterpiece. Now, they may make a mess. They may be messy. They may be in a messy situation, or their whole life may be a mess. But if we're really, truly honest, we see them first and foremost as a masterpiece. And I want to remind you, those of you who look in the mirror and you see yourself as a mess, I want to remind you that the way you look at your kids and see them as a masterpiece, that's exactly how God sees you. He sees you first and foremost as a masterpiece because you are his creation and he loves you. I then began to think about what exactly is a masterpiece. And here's a couple thoughts that came to mind when I was thinking about what, what defines a masterpiece. Here's one, two, three things that define a masterpiece. Number one, very simply, a masterpiece was made by a master. Made by a master. Now, many of you parents, on your refrigerator, you have some pictures. And they are beautiful and they are nice, but if you're real honest, they are not masterpieces. Now, they may be masterpieces to you. I'm not invalidating that, but they were made by novices. A second feature of a masterpiece is this, is that all masterpieces are one of a kind. They're all unique. They all have different qualities. They all have a different look to them. They're all unique. They all have value intrinsically within them. And number three, masterpieces reflect the personality and the identity of the one who creates that masterpiece. 
Sculptures reflect the personality and identity of the sculptor. Music reflects the personality and the identity of the artist. And paintings reflect the personality and the identity of the painter. In fact, we're going to do a little bit of a quiz. Now, I don't know if you like pop quizzes, but here it comes. Now, for those of you who are super competitive, there are four right answers. They're going to be winners and they're going to be losers. For those of you who are not competitive, don't worry. Everyone's a winner. <laughs> don't let your competitive friends or your competitive neighbor distract you, okay? So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to show you four paintings, and I'm going to name them out, and then I want you to think about who the, who the masters were that painted these photos. All right, this first one is the Mona Lisa. Who painted that? The answer is Leonardo da Vinci. The next one's Starry Night. Vincent van Gogh painted that one. Now, this third one is hard. If you're a real art buff, you know what this is. The persistence of time, Salvador. Di now, listen, some of you overachievers, you're answering ahead of time. I haven't, you're, you're rushing, okay, guys? Some of the people who were on the fence about what it was, now they're getting to mark and say, yes, I'm going to be three for three, okay? Just patience. And the fourth is hand of God and man. Michelangelo. Now, just a quick check. How many of you got one right? Raise your hand. Two, three, four. Now, for those of you who didn't get four and you're super competitive, it's going to be all right. <laughs> there are moments in life when you need to lose, and you need to learn to lose gracefully. And if you've got all four, we're going to give you a hand. And not only are we applauding you, we're actually applauding everyone else because everyone's a winner. But back to this idea of a masterpiece. As you look at your children, what do you see? I hope you see a masterpiece because they were created by a master. In fact, we were all created to reflect the image of God. You and I, your kids, your students, your adult children who are away from home, we were all created to reflect the image of God. In fact, Genesis 1.27 and verse 31 says this, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then in verse 31, this is what God says. God saw all that he had made. And he said, it was very good. In fact, humanity was the crowning achievement of God's creation. You and I, we were the crowning achievement because we were created in the image of God. Some of us, we need to internalize this idea that we are a masterpiece, that we were created by the master, that we reflect the image of God. In fact, some of you, you need to print out a message that says something like this. You are a masterpiece because you reflect Jesus. Some of you need to put this image on the mirrors that your children look at every day. 
They need to be reminded that they are a masterpiece because they reflect the image of Jesus. In fact, some of you who find yourself looking at your own life, when you look at the mirror and you see a mess, you need to have a sign some similar to this where you're willing to say, you know what, I may be a mess, but in the eyes of God, I'm a masterpiece because I reflect the image of Jesus. When we root ourselves and our identity in Jesus Christ, he will elevate us. Yes, we may be nothing in and of ourselves, but with God, we are everything. And nothing plus everything still equals what? Everything. Nothing plus everything still equals what? Everything. We need to internalize this idea that we were created in the image of God and that we were created to reflect the creator. Number three, parents, I want to encourage you to remind your kids be willing to say this to them. You are created for impact. You are created for impact. I'm going to read this entire verse again. For we are God's handiwork, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is something that I want you to internalize in your own heart when it comes to your kids. All children were created on purpose, with purpose, and for a purpose. God created us, all of us, your children, your students, and even you. You were created on purpose, with purpose, and for a purpose. And we need to help our kids, our students, our adult children, and even ourselves to discover that there's a divine purpose. God didn't put you on this earth just to take up space and just to breathe oxygen and exhale carbon dioxide. And just to mark the days. He created you to accomplish a purpose. But what I love about this verse is that it says that God created good works. It's not in the singular, it's in the plural. That gives me a whole lot of hope. Because sometimes in life we think that we've blown it and we've missed our chance. I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but there may be some of you who look at your life and you feel like you've missed out. You've blown it with your kids. You've blown it in a marriage. You've blown it at work. Maybe you feel like you're at the end of your life and you still don't have anything left to offer. You've missed all of your chances. Well, here's the good news. If you're still breathing, God still believes in you. If you're still breathing, God believes in you and he still has good works for you to accomplish. Some of us, we've, we've gotten in our mind that, that God has passed us by. But he hasn't. He's right there with us. So today, I just want to encourage you. He's here to tell you that he's got good works for you. In fact, he prepared at the beginning of time for you to accomplish good works. I love this quote by Christine Kane. She says this, God is preparing you for the thing he has prepared for you. Don't give up. God right now is preparing for you the thing that he has prepared for you. He's preparing you to accomplish this. And sometimes when we see ourselves walking through the difficult moments, we lose sight of the fact that God is preparing us to accomplish the good works that he has prepared in advance for us to do. Parents, students, adults, grandparents, we need to capture this idea that God has good works for us. 
And he's inviting us, constantly beckoning to us, saying, would you step into my future? Would you step forward into that? Would you embrace that? If we do, if we do, our kids will see our life and they'll want to follow Jesus. They'll say, yes, Jesus is real and I want to follow him. Now, we've reached the moment where we're going to have an opportunity to dedicate kids unto the Lord. And so here's what I'd like to do. Parents, I'd love for you, as I call your children's names, this is what I'd love for you to do. I'd love for you to step out of the aisle, come to the front, and what we're going to do is we're going to have you start here at the middle, and then we're going to have you expand outwards. And as you come up, once I call their names, what I'd love for you to do is to turn and face the audience. So here are the children that are being dedicated tonight. Number one, Jeremiah Butler. Number two, Noel Ezekiel Campos. Number three, Mia Grace de la Cruz. And Thomas James De La Cruz. Number four, Carmelo Azariah De La Vega. Number five, Abram Lucas Diaz. Levi Gabriel Esquivel. Andrew Evan Freeman. Christian Matthew Garcia. Miles Luke Garcia. Aiden Gonzalez. Adeline Gonzalez, Isaiah Flores, and Aria Flores. Mia Gonzalez, Maya Gonzalez, and Rudy Gonzalez. Noah Ryan Lugo. Francis and Francine Mendoza. Blake Mitchell and Skylar Mitchell. Evelyn Elizabeth Montoya. Andrew Paul Ramos. Emberlyn Faith Randall. Rialisa Rain Romero. Ariel Rose. Andrea Rose Trejo.
Aaron Elizabeth Wilson and Reese Baldemar Wilson. Last but not least, Eliana Rose Zuniga and Noah Cash Zuniga. There are 22 families dedicating 32 children. Let's give them one more hand. Now, parents, what I'd love for you to do is to turn and face me. I want to tell you what we have for you. That first item that you have is a card from our kids' ministry saying congratulations. And this is an invitation right at the end of service to go visit our kids' check-in, go, go over to the kids' check-in area and meet our kids' ministry team. They'd love to welcome you, and they'd love to give you a kit, a parenting kit, to help you advance your children to know who God is. So I want to share with you what we've put together with your child in mind. The first item that we have is a certificate. This is something that you can fill out and you can frame to commemorate this moment. The next item, which I would dare say is probably the most important item, is a Bible. We're going to give your child a hands-on Bible, an age-specific Bible, because we want to communicate to you, and, and we want you to communicate to them that the Bible is the foundation of their life. If they choose to root their life in Jesus, they can advance in life. In fact, as you heard Pastor Lindsay say, at Westover, strong faith builds a strong family. And what I would say is that the Bible is the foundation for life. And if you would make the Bible the foundation of your life, the Bible can and will be the foundation of their life. The next item that we have for them is a letter. It's a letter from me addressed to them. And in this letter, I tell them that on this specific day, you stood here and you dedicated them to the Lord. And so parents, what I'd love for you to do is when you receive this, when you get home, put this letter in a safe place. And on their 13th birthday, what I'd love for you to do is to hand this letter to them when they can understand the significance of this. And in this letter, I challenge them to follow God with all their heart, to love, worship, honor, and serve the Lord all the days of their life. In fact, I share with them a passage from Psalm 139, verse 16. And I want to share that passage with you. Listen very, very carefully. Psalm 139, verse 16, it says this. You, your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And through this verse, what we're wanting to communicate to them is that God saw them. He created them. And that before they came into this world that he had ordained every day for them. And that every day he would be chasing them. And that he would be pursuing them. And that he would want to introduce himself to them. We want your children to know and understand that. And then finally, what we're going to be giving you is a handkerchief with that same verse written on it. And the reason we're giving you a handkerchief is because there's going to come a moment in time when your children, they break your heart, 
when they're a teenager or they're a young adult and maybe they're far away from the Lord and you're worried about them and you feel like they're too far away. But this verse reminds you that at the very beginning of time that God was reaching out to them and that he would have a plan and a purpose to do everything he could to reach their heart. And I pray that this handkerchief would be something that you hold on to that would sustain you in the difficult moments. And then when they come back to God, that you'd say, God, you've been good. You've been faithful. We want this to be something that you hold on to to encourage you in the difficult times and to motivate you to continue. Now, parents, we've reached the moment where we're gonna dedicate our children, dedicate your children to the Lord. But before I pray a prayer for your children, I wanna challenge you all as parents to dedicate yourself unto God because here's what you're gonna discover. In order for us to dedicate our children to God, we have to dedicate ourselves to God. And so, as I pray this prayer, I'm gonna start by praying for you, and then I'm gonna pray for your children. And so, what I'd invite is the audience to stand. What I'd love for you to do, friends, family, tios, tias, grandma, grandpa, abuelo, abuelita, I wanna invite you to extend your hands I want to invite you to partner with me to pray for these parents and these children. God, we come to you. And right now, I pray that parents would choose in their heart to dedicate themselves to you. That they would say, God, I need you in my life. I need you as Lord and Savior. I need you to forgive me. I need you to empower me to be the parent that my child needs. I need you in my life. I can't raise my child without you. And I need you at the center of my life. I pray, Lord, that you'd work in the hearts of these parents to discover that they need you. And now, as these parents speak the name of their children out in front of you, God, I pray right now that each child here, that they would discover who you are at a young age that they would come to know that you are real and that you are good and that you are faithful and that you have a divine purpose and plan for their life and that they would say yes and amen to you being at the center of their life, being their Lord and their Savior. And I pray, Lord, that they would be sensitive to your Holy Spirit, that they would be willing to embrace your Holy Spirit and say yes to him. And God, as they step into elementary school, God, that you would protect their mind and their heart that you would help them discover friends here at church that love you. I pray, Lord, that as they step into middle school and they're facing challenges and they're facing the challenges of culture, that you would keep them set apart for your purpose, that you would protect them from the evil one, that you would protect them from evil influences, that you'd protect them from people who wanna lead them astray, God, that you would protect their mind and their heart and their body. And God, as they step into high school, that they would begin to seek you, God, and that they would be willing to look to you as they begin to decide what they're going to do for their future, 
whether they're going to go to work or they're going to go to college or whether they're going to go to the military or do something else, God, that you would be at the center of that decision. And God, as they're stepping into creating relationships, God, that those relationships would honor you, that they would discover someone in their life that loves you more than, than they love them, God, that, that both these two children, when they become adults, that God, that they would fully pursue you first. And God, as they create a family, God, and they're raising children, that God, they would decide to make, make you the center of their family and that they would find a local church that they can partner with to ensure that their children know you, God. God, you've entrusted to us children, and now we willingly say, God, they belong to you. We re-entrust them to you because ultimately they belong to you. God, I pray that you would empower these parents today, give them strength, give them encouragement, give them wisdom, give them sustaining power, give them the insight of the Holy Spirit, give them discernment when things are not going right, give them words of encouragement to motivate their child when their child is down, God. Give them everything they need. Let them be equipped to accomplish the mission of raising their children to know you to love you, to worship you, and to serve you, Lord. We entrust these families and these children to you. In the mighty name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen. Parents, we are so very proud of you. Congratulations. Go in the love of the Lord. God bless you, and we are dismissed.